It's Monday, July 9th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analyst Taylor Muckerman and Jason Moser. Guys, happy Monday. Hey, how are we doing? I'm doing good. I'm I'm rested. I was out in Colorado for a little while. I feel good, so I should you know, you bring, I should bring my A game. You got a little sun too. You look you yeah. look. Are, healthy. are you just saying that? No, you look healthy. You look so good. normally I don't look healthy. No, I'm just saying you look healthier. Maybe, maybe you, probably, you look healthier. <laughs> okay, so right. a little defensive. You probably ate a little bit better out there, right? I did. Yeah, outside I ate too a much. Lot. I, yeah, I've got to start losing weight again. Oh, I, a nice I, place. I crossed a significant milestone. Now, That's see, all I'll you say. said that I did tennis and hiking. You said that I did. I know. It's a cry for health. Okay, on today's show, guys, let's talk some Starbucks in China. Also, talk some PayPal. Um, they're kind of in a spending mood, so we're going to talk about that. Sure. And Twitter cleaning up their act. And at least, if you look at what's happening to the stock today, Wall Street really not liking the news. But I don't, I don't want to start there, because, Jason, I know you got a lot to say about that. Let's start with the music wars. Apple streaming music service gaining ground on Spotify. According to Digital Music News, Apple Music has surpassed Spotify in U.S. subscribers. Spotify still has a big lead globally. But, Jason, that's not all. No. The plot is thickening, because Tencent now announcing that it's going to spin off its music service into a U.S. IPO. And this is where it gets really confusing. Spotify owns about 9% of Tencent, while Tencent owns 7.5% of Spotify. What does <laughs> it all mean? That's a mouthful. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is really shaking, uh, shaking out to be a very interesting space for a number of reasons. I don't think the Apple Music news is any kind of surprise. I mean, we saw that trend back at the beginning of the year. Um, domestically speaking, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, mm-hmm. Apple. Holds a big share of the smartphone market here domestically. Uh, now, when you take that out and look globally, that's where I think this gets really interesting because Android is by far and away the dominant operating system globally. And so, when it comes to Apple Music, the question for me is really how do they grow beyond? The domestic market, and the reason why I ask that is because I don't think there's much incentive to use Apple Music if you don't have an Apple device. Um, I mean, I have an Apple device, and I don't even use Apple Music. I mean, I think there are a lot of options out there, and Spotify certainly has a great reputation worldwide, and they've been able to grow their member base at a very impressive clip. So I wonder if at some point we don't see. Apple trying to gain more share by perhaps selling some more low-end or cheaper iPhones to to get those devices out in people's hands. Because I think that's if you want to grow Apple Music, you're going to have to get those Apple devices in people's hands. Now, the nice thing for Apple is they're not going to depend on Apple Music for their success, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's just one of the many things that they offer. And I think that sort of goes to that greater point we were talking about earlier today. Is it's different if you're a pure play in this business versus if it's just part of your offering. Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, they're not just music companies. Spotify, right now, it's a music company. It, you know, they're going into podcasts and talk shows and stuff like that, but they're very content driven. So it's just really interesting to see how this is shaken out. Yeah, and if you're looking at Spotify, it's it's very much an international story. You're talking about 70 million users, paying subscribers globally. Um, I think around 170 million monthly active users, and that includes the the freemium uh, side of things. So, 
this business still not even in Russia, India, countries like that, but they are talking about uh, moving into those countries. So uh, I think I think there's just a lot more growth when you're looking at music uh, apps in particular for Spotify. Then and how about the ten cent piece of this? This ten cent IPO in the U.S. is this something that excites you? And that ten cent relationship with Spotify, where they each own a part of each other. So I don't know that I get too worked up or the ten cent mm-hmm. side of it, but I do think it's pretty interesting from a Spotify perspective in that you have two pretty big players in the space kind of teaming up, it seems like, to gain more share, then that's going to make it very difficult for something like an Apple Music to really gain, I think, meaningful traction. If Spotify is able to continue to pick up global share Mm -hmm. markets, especially like China and India and whatnot, I mean, those are the big opportunities out there. Um, So, for me, I mean, it's it's kind of neat to see those two big players in the space teaming up to to potentially um, grow the offering and grow the audience. What gets lost in here? I mean, what do you do if you're Pandora at this point? Woof! Like, I mean, and that was the that was the name in this space just like yeah. four years ago, so five dominant. years ago. But look at there. You go through Capital IQ and you look at Pandora's financials. I mean, I've said this before, but there's some of the worst financials out there. I mean, so it just goes to show it's not always about being first. Mm-hmm. It's it's about sometimes being second and learning from the mistakes of, of your predecessor. Yeah, I think they're just resting on their laurels. You look yeah. at Spotify partnering up with Hulu in April to offer a, a joint membership, I think, for thirteen dollars a month for Spotify and Hulu. They've partnered with Cadillac. I've heard rumors that they might start talking to airlines to be able to use streaming of Spotify on airlines to kind of expand their brand a little bit. So I think there's a little bit more innovation there on the customer acquisition side. And I. Use Amazon Music Unlimited, and I'm just pleased as punch. I mean, that's been Dude, an incredible. I haven't gotten into that yet. Oh, yeah. it's great. Are you doing the unlimited? Do you pay for the yes. subscription, or is yes, that I pay? So, and I so I just like I have Amazon Music that I get with Prime membership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, even that's okay. Now, my music preferences are maybe a little bit different, and I pull a lot of just kind of the live music that I want to hear um, online anyway. So, I mean, I don't have a Spotify membership or a Pandora membership or anything like that. But I think that just kind of goes towards that greater point. As a pure play in this business, it's really, really difficult. I mean, the economics of the music business are just really, really hard. So, if you're something like an Apple or an Amazon or an Alphabet, it's really nice to have that as just one facet of this overall offering, um, as opposed to just relying on that that one trick, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to ask you guys about Spotify because um, when I was on vacation, I was talking to my brother. And he asked me about Spotify the stock. And when my brother asked me about stocks, I mean, I've worked at The Molly Fool for almost 20 years. So I've heard a lot about a lot. <laughs> and, and so he says, Hey, what do you think about Spotify the stock? And, and I gave him my standard answer Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so what should I tell my brother about Spotify the stock? So for me personally, I mean, I'm still not quite on board with wanting to own the stock. Now, I'll. I'll I'll say, I mean, I hear from a lot of people in the industry and users themselves. I mean, Spotify seems to have a great reputation in this space mm-hmm. from a, a user interface perspective and from a content perspective and whatnot. Um, to me, it's just the economics of music are so tough. And, and music is so individual. I mean, everybody kind of likes their own thing. I would rather. Own a part of a music offering that was part of something greater, and so that's my cop out for just saying, "Well, I'll just own Amazon and just be done with it." <laughs> um, now, with that said, I mean, I do think if you're looking for a pure play winner in the space, 
I think Spotify is probably the front runner right now. I just I'm not convinced that it's actually worth investing in. Yeah, I'd have to agree. The market, I don't know. You're looking at streaming, almost 40% of music revenues globally. So there's still some room to grow on the streaming side, to be sure. But yeah, even though it's a small competitive market, I don't know if I'm going to buy into a pure player. If an industry that is so recently disrupted by streaming, who knows what's next around the corner? Yeah, I mean, it's you look for things like pricing power and switching costs. Mm-hmm. Obvious competitive advantages. I mean, I think that as time goes on, perhaps there is a switching cost to Spotify, and that you don't want to change your entire music life over to some other provider if if that's the way you listen to music. But I mean, I don't see that this company has a whole heck of a lot of pricing power, to be honest. I do like the fact that they're branching out in other content, so it's not just music. And I think that's where they have a real good chance of becoming something more, because we've seen over time SiriusXM, I think, is a good example of a company that at the very beginning stages of SiriusXM, nobody gave them a chance whatsoever. Now, they had the benefit of Howard Stern really helping spearhead the beginnings of that company. And now they've got a subscriber base of 30 million or more happily paying. But the big question out there is when Stern leaves, how many of those people stay? Yeah. And I know it, it, it certainly, I mean, I don't know that I do. And, and there's only one Howard Stern. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, then that comes back to the kind of that pricing power, right? I might yeah. stay if they make it worth my while. And by making it worth my while, I mean, you know, cut that subscription <laughs> in like half. Mm-hmm. So it just, yeah, the economics make it really difficult. Guys, let's move on to Starbucks. Um, a lot of different news here. We've got outgoing executive chairman Howard Schultz saying that the recent slowdown in China would be short-lived, and Starbucks also announcing that it's getting rid of plastic straws by 2020. Taylor, I applaud think? that plastic straws move. Thank you. That's great. We were just talking before the show, Jason. You were saying you're not a straw guy. You don't use straws. I'm not. I mean, like, I don't really. It's not a straw guy. I just. I feel like that's one of the obvious things that you could either just. Change or make it out of something compostable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those simple little fixes, and I don't know why we haven't done it yet. K cups, same thing. I mean, how hard is it to produce just a fully compostable K cup? I don't know. I mean, that stuff's all magic to me anyway. But I gotta believe someone out there can do it, right? You gotta believe. If we can put a man on the moon, hey, <laughs> Taylor, what do you think of the Starbucks news? I wonder if straws were even big back when we put the first man on the moon. <laughs> yeah. When did the first straw come out? I don't you, know. You know what? Donald's this is, is a bit of a digression. Way. But when I was a kid, and there, there are going to be like two or three listeners who will know this reference. <laughs> there were these things called crazy straws, where oh, they would yeah, go and move, yeah. sure. and that that would be the one exception. I would say that they should eliminate all straws. Yeah, but here's the but difference. have crazy straws. The crazy straw is reusable, right? Yeah, you would that's use true. it. You put it in the oh, dishwasher. Oh, yeah. You clean it in. Yeah. Oh my God! It's crazy. It lasts like a thousand years. Exactly. Absolutely. I'm okay with that. I get it because you can reuse it. Yeah. It's the plastic disposable. It's just killing me. But I would go to Starbucks more if they had crazy straws. Because right now I'm a Dunkin' guy. And um, are you? Yeah. See, Dunkin' kills me because of the styrofoam cups. Oh, that's a good point. I don't understand why. Why can't you make that switch? But you know what Dunkin' does is they take the time to put the cream and sugar in your coffee for you, and I like that. I just like that extra step. You know, (laughs) I mean, life's hard. Or are you lazy? Absolutely. That's what that's that's what I mean by the extra step. I'm lazy. (laughs) Do it for me. Okay, so Taylor, back to Starbucks. What do you think about this whole China thing? Schultz saying, "Hey, you know the China story? Not not too bad. Don't worry. Do you buy that?" Um, I mean, just based on the the fact that it's still pretty early days for Starbucks, and they are opening stores. It seems like every thirty minutes in China. Um, that <laughs> you know, 
I'm not too sure the, the consumer preferences in China. I know like tea is probably a big deal over there. I don't know about coffee, but uh, coffee wasn't big in other countries that Starbucks moved into, and and now uh, at least not like in Europe. You think espresso is the big deal, but Starbucks mm-hmm. very successful um, serving their full cups of, of coffee over there along with all their uh, sugary beverages. But um, yeah, I think I think there's a good future there for me personally. Though I do wonder like. Starbucks might just become that that dividend stock that you hold on to. I don't know if it's the same growth story or even even close to what we've seen over the last five to ten years. Um, regardless of, of how China pans out, even if it even if it uh, hits all the marks, I still think it's it's not going to be that that stock that you. Uh, See those life-changing gains anymore from? Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I mean, I think the local risk is is in play here, at least domestically. Like growing that store base here in the U.S., it seems like we're pretty saturated mm-hmm. at this point, and it also does seem like the mom and pop coffee shops are making a little bit of a of, of a comeback. Yeah, it's like the craft brew industry yeah. almost here in the U.S. with all these yeah. mom and pop and, coffee shops. I mean, that's not going to have a tremendous impact mm-hmm. on their business, but it certainly brings into question the growth domestically. So then, the thesis for the growth story in Starbucks. Over the past few years, has been China, mm-hmm. and I mean, if you look at what Schultz says, and I mean, I quote, he says, "I will say unequivocally that anyone who is betting against Starbucks in China is dead wrong." End quote. Fight so works. he is very, yeah, he is very certain. <laughs> now, I will say this: I don't think there's a CEO out there, at least of an American multinational company, that has done more research into the Chinese market than Howard Schultz has. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people that might get out there and criticize him on that statement don't know even anywhere close to what he knows about the China <laughs> sure. market. But so, we, should, we should add that Schultz is leaving. He is. Does, well, exactly. Does that I, concern you? Well, no, not really, because I think that at the end of the day, he's still going to be there to help, whether it's a formal or an informal way of, of you know making sure that Starbucks is is doing well, doing well. And, and I think a lot of what's going on right now is unfolding. Is is stuff that he had already put into works, right? I think he got that ball rolling, helped get that ball rolling some time ago. I mean, Kevin Johnson understands a lot about the China market as well because of his relationship with Howard Schultz. So it's all to say that I don't think Schultz makes or breaks his company, but I do take his opinion seriously when he talks about things like this because a lot of what's going right now, going on right now is strategy that was already put into action before he decided to sever ties. And the fact of the matter is, if you're talking about a company like Starbucks. Partnering up with Alibaba and Jack Ma, I mean, Jack Ma's goal with Alibaba is to make China more of an importer, to bring more American goods into China. So you could open up a tremendous distribution network there on the tea and the coffee side with that Starbucks brand, the Tivana brands. A lot of opportunities there. I mean, it's all to say great businesses go through tough times. I think Starbucks is going through a tough time. And even if it's not that robust growth story that some were hoping for, I think it's going to be a pretty reliable investment, mm-hmm. and certainly the dividend is going to be there, and I think it'll continue to grow. And I can think of many reasons to hang on to these shares. And guys, let's talk PayPal. PayPal CEO Dan Schulman saying that PayPal is ready to invest up to three billion a year on acquisitions. Now, Taylor. You're a PayPal shareholder. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I feel good. I mean, if you look at just the last couple of months, they've already spent about three billion dollars on acquisitions. So um, certainly not something we haven't seen before. Granted, the bulk of that um, recent spending was on one company, the largest acquisition to date for the company for uh, iZettle uh, for two point two billion dollars. Um, seen it called the shop or the Square of Europe. So. Um, 
different integration there, and uh, international has been the focus, especially with these last three acquisitions. So I, I expect that to continue to be the case. And Dan Schulman also saying that um, they don't want to just be a button company; they want to be a solutions and platform company. Um, so they, one of the acquisitions there was an AI. Uh, company that focuses on, you know, helping companies market their certain products to to different uh, visitors online based on preferences that they've established um, through their uh, online uh, trail that they've left through cookies and whatever. But um, I, I think that you see them branching out not just from the payment side, but um, distribution of payments in the marketplace style um, e-commerce system that we've seen growing so rapidly. Um, Famous by Amazon, so um, almost more of a competition with Amazon rather than just a partner on the payment side. And um, they certainly have the balance sheet to, to to spend some money. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right there on the balance sheet side. They that was that Synchrony deal from a number of months ago, where they unloaded a receivables portfolio to Synchrony yeah. Bank, their banking partner. And the basic idea was like they don't need to be in that business. That's something that you let let a, a business like Synchrony. Do that because they do that kind of stuff well. It freed up a considerable amount of cash flow for PayPal, and and the idea was that they were going to use that free cash flow to reinvest in the business and into more of their strengths. Mm -hmm. And I think this is right in line with that strategy. Yeah, it was kind of just accelerated the cash conversion cycle yep. by by selling those receivables off, not having to wait on them, or even possibly risk uh, not not receiving them at all. Uh, so let's, on the customer. let's broaden the conversation out a bit, Jason, because I know for a while now you've been talking about the war on cash. And you've been recommending a basket of stocks. Mm -hmm. Yes. Are you still of that mindset, or if I'm an investor, should I be thinking more about some of the standouts? PayPal, one of them. Square has had another great run. Are you still think take a basket approach? So I like the basket approach simply because I don't think this is a zero sum game. I think there are going to be plenty of of ways to win out there. And it just seemed like quarter in and quarter out, Chris, <laughs> Chris and I would come in for market foolery or Molly Fool money, and we'd be talking about Mastercard and Visa and PayPal, and be like, "Oh yeah, man, did you end up buying shares last quarter?" And be like, "No, yeah. did you?" And he'd be like, "No," and I'm like, "Damn it, you know." And all right, no. we got to figure out a solution here. And so the solution was the basket because I felt like it gives you exposure to not only the stalwarts in in the industry and Mastercard and Visa, but I do believe that PayPal and Square are the two companies that are going to really define the space over the coming decade. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing unfold, I think, is just that. It's like they're sort of tit for tatting almost, right? You just, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. They're making little acquisitions. They got to keep up with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, PayPal is is becoming a little bit more of a hardware company with that iZettle. You see Square kind of trying to give their e-commerce edge with the Weebly deal, so it's just a little back and forth. And I think that investors who focus on that basket approach, I think it gives you a better chance to win. Um, if you ask me to rank my favorites <laughs> from from top will, to bottom, I will in a minute. Okay, <laughs> no, go ahead, rank them. <laughs> no, I, because I've been asked this before, and I mean, of the war on cash basket that I have, I think I would actually give the edge to PayPal because of its size. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Square is a very close second. It's like one A and one B. Okay, fair yeah, enough. I like it. They're just starting to really go international, yeah. but PayPal certainly has the advantage. Exactly. There. Yep. Okay, guys. Well, let's close with Twitter. Twitter cleaning up their act. Um, the Washington Post reporting Friday evening that Twitter is suspending more than one million fake accounts each day. Now I hear that and I think that's good. That's good news. Yeah. But apparently investors don't feel the same way because at the time of our taping today on Monday here, <clears throat> shares of Twitter down more than nine percent. Mm -hmm. Jason, what yeah. gives? Well, I, so let's be clear. I don't think. 
there's a lot of hypothesizing going on here. We don't actually know a lot factually, other than they're culling inactive, okay, bad accounts. Like we don't have numbers to put around. Are they, are they, maybe maybe are they fake accounts, or should I should I kind of well, dial fake that back? Or fake or inactive, okay. uh, whatever you want to call it. I think basically they're just kind of taking out the trash. Okay, and and so I think Wall Street is kind of trying to put some numbers around this, mm-hmm. and and I think somebody was throwing out one million accounts per day. This is unsubstantiated, but if you do the math and you think 100, you know, one million accounts per day, then over 30 days, that's 30 million accounts, and yada yada yada. Who really knows? I mean, I guess my my bottom line takeaway is like, Twitter, the stock has certainly had a wonderful run this year. I think that's for a number of reasons. I think that management has done a very good job of changing the conversation away from monthly active users more towards the daily user side because that's where Twitter is a bit more relevant. So, this to me is just Wall Street thinking at its finest. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I look at something like this and I think, well, there's a lot of uncertainty just based on the lack of exact information on what they're doing and, and how to quantify it. Um, it's, it's still the same platform that it was on Friday. You know, for me, I see this and I think, okay, well, you know, I'll be okay. Yeah. Like, I just I wouldn't I wouldn't sweat it. And those aren't revenue generating users. Right. Like, I mean, if they're bots, they're not really you know they're not eyeballs that are going to be clicking on ads. They're yep. not you know be purchasing anything. Um, so we, we do the same thing here at the Molly Fool We're, with our email marketing channels. If sure. every six months we. In Canada, at least, we purge our email file of people that aren't active, and then that doesn't really impact our subscription sales because no, they weren't going to buy anyways. So when you look at this, it just gives a higher revenue per user number for Twitter, um, and certainly as a user of Twitter myself, I'm very appreciative of of them cleaning out the trash because um, I think that one other thing that they talked about was kind of uh, eliminating some dissemination of of uh, untruthful. News and material similar to what Facebook is trying to do, but um, uh, I'm not too worried about this one. At so all. this is another case of Wall Street just being short-term focused. Well, they yeah, lose a I metric think, to balance their their numbers against. Yeah, yeah, I think more than likely. I mean, it's 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 fair to say that Twitter. I mean, the optimism is a bit <laughs> up there. I mean, it's had a great year. Great the run. stock has been on a, on a terrific run. I mean, that's for a number of different reasons. One of our analysts was recommending it a while back. I forget who. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, we'll see if we can talk about that maybe after they both. That was Jason Buzzer. Um, stock I, of the year. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, to Taylor's point, I think that when you have a, a higher quality network is better, even if it's a smaller network, mm-hmm. a higher quality network is better then a low quality network i mean that low quality network whether it's bots or trolls or whatever i mean that really stifles engagement and growth and so this really is kind of one of those decisions that is more long term focused it's more forest for the trees uh, jack dorsey and his team is one of the most transparent management teams out there today and all you have to do is just go scroll through his twitter feed to see what i mean so for me, I look at this as just a long-term decision. I mean, we look at Twitter as an investment to hold on for four years to come. One day is not going to change that. And and if you look at this, if they haven't been doing this before, maybe this is just a it's a yeah. big number because it's been a backlog of things that they should have maybe done over a rolling period. And so maybe if this continues to be a thing that they do, that that unsub number. Starts to shrink on a daily, monthly basis. Yep. Okay, guys. Well, let's end with my favorite, incredibly unfair, arbitrary <laughs> question. It's my desert island question. You're on a desert island for the next five years, and you have to buy one of these stocks. And yes, I realize no one invests this way, but you know what? It's a, it's a fun question. Apple, Spotify, Tencent, Starbucks, PayPal, or Twitter for the mm-hmm. next five years. 
Uh, Was Square in there? Just PayPal. I'll throw Square in. I'll go PayPal since I I own it and I'm a pretty big believer in it. Don't know enough about Tencent personally to say, but uh, quite a buzz around the fool about Tencent. Yeah, I think I'd go PayPal as well. I mean, money is going to be money ten years from now. It's got to get from point A to point B, and PayPal is really making it easy. There you go. Money is going to be money. <laughs> Just that is deep. Okay, guys, thanks for joining me. Thank you. <laughs> you got it. Thanks. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Money is going to be money. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.